You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcasts. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows TRIO programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former TRIO staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with TRIO. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Amelia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In today's episode, we have Jasmine Trujillo, who is an alum of the Trio Upward Bound program at Eastern New Mexico University, Roswell. Jasmine is on the podcast to talk about her educational experience, her time with the Trio Upward program at Eastern New Mexico University in Portales, and what it meant for Trio to be joining her in her journey. So coming up in just a bit, Jasmine Trujillo. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario Riley, Dr. Ryan Barone, Dr. Jamie Motley, Angelica Valdez, Jaded Electronics, TrioJobList.com and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the podcast. Head on over to Patreon and search for Let's Talk Trio. Choose one of four patron levels. You can support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. If you own a business and would like to run an ad on our podcast, send us a message and we will get back with you for details. Become a supporter with a one-time donation to the podcast PayPal account at Let's Talk Trio. Again, that handle is at Let's Talk Trio. Any amount is truly appreciated. If you would like to nominate a participant, staff, or alumni to be on the podcast, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Again, a great episode featuring Jasmine Trujillo from the Eastern New Mexico University Roswell Trio Upward Bound Program. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hi, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is an alum of the Trio Talent Search Program at Eastern New Mexico University, Roswell. She attended Eastern New Mexico University and attained a bachelor's degree in psychology, and she is currently working on her master's in counseling. Our guest held multiple roles in the Upward Bound program as a volunteer, teacher, and mentor to high school students. 
She currently serves as the agency director for Ambercare in Clovis, New Mexico. When she is not working, she likes to do some gardening with houseplants uh, and is currently focused on entirely on academics. Joining me on the podcast is Jasmine Trujillo. Jasmine, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very, very excited. I am so excited to have you here. I'm so excited for you to tell your trio journey. And, and it looks like we had a little guest uh, just a second ago. Oh, yes, here she is. This is Maddie. Hi, baby. <laughs> oh, she's so cute. She's my long-haired chihuahua, and I got another one trying to jump on me. She's my, uh, she's my weenie dog. They want to be guest stars. Oh, my gosh. They are just spoiled, and they just <laughs> want to be on my lap at all times, no matter what. Oh, the other one, uh, just as adorable. <laughs> So it's it's so good to see you. How have you been? I have been great. So, so incredibly busy. I feel like my life is just nonstop all the time, constantly doing something, um, trying to better myself and just just keep keep moving. I, I feel like I'm constantly moving. Absolutely. Honestly. So a bit of context for the audience. Jasmine and I, uh, we both serve the Tree Upward Bound program. Jasmine served as a dance instructor for many, many years ago. And wh while I was the coordinator there, uh, Jasmine remained involved and gave so much to the Tree Upward Bound program. So Jasmine, please know that your efforts were so appreciated uh, during our time at Upward Bound. Thanks. I had a really good time doing that. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to bring this part up because <laughs> I, I was feeling nostalgic and I was uh, kind of reflecting back on just who I was in that mm -hmm. that part of my life and mm -hmm. it's it's just it's so interesting how lack of experience can really it really comes out like in in your actions and who you are as a human because mm -hmm. at that time when I started teaching um uh, in Upward Bound the summer program I was almost the same age as the students yeah I, yeah I was I was either I had just turned 18 or I was 19 and most of my students were like 17. So we were mm -hmm. very, very close in age. And I feel like that um, they could relate to me in some way because I wasn't that far ahead of them. And um, I also think that on, on my part and just how um, inexperienced and honestly innocent naivety you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was just in in this world where I am an authoritative figure the same age as you know the students <laughs> so that was a very interesting experience for sure and um, my sister Jessica she I think she really helped kind of wiggle me in there because she was working in the office with with you guys I think at um at that time or, or a little prior to that mm -hmm. but just knowing that you guys gave me the opportunity regardless of how young I was and you know how inexperienced I was to be able to have that opportunity going from me as a student just a year before to now being an instructor was was huge it, it was it was huge and um, a really great, really great experience. Absolutely. And to your credit, you took command of a classroom. So to your absolute credit, you had students following directions, following your lead. Uh, you were you're naturally born leader, I think. And I think uh, we saw that in you. We, we were very impressed with how you showed up to your interview, 
how prepared you were about lesson plans and how prepared you were to uh, receive students and meet them where they're at and teach them. So we were very impressed with uh, with the skills that you brought. Oh, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Because, man, I, I think I was just really nervous because I was so young. I was very, very young. And I that was really one of my very first real jobs, honestly. And I'm sure we'll probably get into it later about when I started work study mm -hmm. uh, when I was with Upward Bound in, in Roswell. But that was technically my first job. Mm -hmm. And working the summer program, it, it just kind of going back to how inexperienced I was in real life workplaces, but still knowing that I had a job to do, but I could have fun while I was doing it, you know? Absolutely. So how has your life uh, changed since then? Since I was teaching? Oh, mm -hmm. boy. Um, well, I think I, I taught a couple of years. Uh, the first one, I think um, it was, a, I think I did Zumba first. Mm -hmm. And then maybe a year or two later, it gets a little foggy. Um, I did the dance. And then after that was when I graduated, I think I, I graduated in 2015 um, with my bachelor in psychology. And after that, I actually moved to back. I, I moved to Roswell and I worked there for a little bit. Um, I got a really incredible opportunity. Literally two days after I graduated, I got mm -hmm. a job offer from, <laughs> from uh, Tabosa in Roswell and they work with um, individuals who are um, uh, disabled or um, uh, lower cognitive abilities, but they work to help integrate them back into the community. And I was able to be a service coordinator for a while uh, for children though, for the family uh, or the Family Infant Toddler Program of New Mexico. It's called the FIT Program. Mm -hmm. So basically they receive different types of services from ages birth to three. So they get physical therapy, speech therapy. I mean, you you name it. So I came on as a family service coordinator. Um, and that was very, very interesting. I think that that was my real, that was, that was probably my first taste of state work and state requirements, things like that. Um, like now you're getting into the serious stuff, you know? Yeah, right, and, uh, right. So I did that for a while. And then I moved on to actually being a developmental specialist. So now instead of coordinating the services and pushing all of the paper behind the services, now I was the one performing the services. Oh. So I got to go into these families' homes and... Um, if whatever the concern was with this child, I, I helped them learn to walk. I helped them learn to speak. You know, it's, it's such, I, I can't, I can't even describe it how, um, how rewarding that was, yeah. especially because in our community, there are so many just disservice populations. And I had the ability to be able to help Spanish speaking families. And just knowing that they had someone that was there to help their child was was awesome. Fantastic. Um, so I've had already so many interviews. You said uh, before the show 
that we you had listened to a couple of the episodes. I don't know if you heard any of the folks that were talking about the pandemic and how it affected them. And now that we're technically in a post-COVID world, even though we're not really, we're still kind of in flux with all that. Uh, what, what are some things that you learned about yourselves uh, or about yourself and some something that you kind of picked up while uh, while in this COVID period? Oh, man. Um, definitely. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just trying to adapt. Just trying to adapt to our new world. Mm-hmm. At the time... Mm-hmm. Um, well, after I after I finished working with kids, I moved on to a um, a mental health setting mm-hmm. with adults, and I still remember the day that we got the text to return to the office immediately because oh, yeah? everyone was out in the field. Oh, I was yeah, with yeah. a client at the time, and um, you know, I I I think I was helping him with his social security. Um, application mm-hmm. and I get this phone call from my AD and she says we need you back now okay had no idea what was going on and by yeah. that time you know you were kind of hearing in the news that things were uh that this unknown virus was starting to spread mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you had certain cases in the United States that were coming up and once once we got that text I I knew I was like oh man this is serious so then we moved from that to um home-based and at first it was really exciting, right? Because you think, sure. oh, I can work, I can work from my house. From home, yeah. Yeah, like I don't gotta go to the office. I don't have to get up so early. And then that excitement kind of wore off. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> wore off. Yep, it wore off. And then it comes back and it hits you like a ton of bricks because now you think, okay, my human interaction has taken a deep decline. And mm-hmm. now I'm just by myself all day. Mm-hmm. So I was really trying to adapt the work that I was doing before to the work that I was doing now and trying to help my clients really figure things out over the phone because now I wasn't there in person to help them. So that was that, I think that that was probably one of the most difficult parts. Yeah. What, uh, was there a specific skill or something you learned or did you sharpen old ones while in this COVID period of remote work? Um, I think I learned about routines and boundaries. Um, because at first, I really didn't know how to, I really didn't know how to break mm-hmm. my work life and my home life, because I was at home the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I made a huge mistake this time uh, or or during that time where I was working from my couch instead of having like a designated area to work at because now my place of comfort and my place of relaxation was also my place of work. So I was Mm, spending mm -hmm. hours and hours on my couch and I couldn't switch my brain from work mode to relaxation mode when my husband came home from Mm -hmm. his job. You know, so I think that that affected me quite a bit. Um, I'm kind of a hybrid mode now to where I work from home half the time and work in office the other half of the time. And I definitely learned. I learned my lesson from the first time <laughs> because it <laughs> it was really difficult. But now I have a designated area where is 
It's my school place and it's my workplace. And I don't use it for any other reason than that. And I definitely don't take it into my living room or my bedroom. No, nothing. <laughs> it stays in the office. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, what's something that you do now that you weren't able to do during the pandemic and has it been able to work it right back into your routine? Oh, um, something I was able to do now that I wasn't able to in the pandemic. Um, yeah, I think working office-based again. I think just being back in the office and being around other people <laughs> and having right. that human interaction. <laughs> but it, that's it's definitely been a positive for me because I never thought I'd be so excited to go back to work in an office after after that. Right on. What is a personal goal that you have set for yourself for 2023 that you have accomplished and a goal that you have yet to accomplish? Oh, internship. So with, with my counseling okay. program, I have to, it's, it's like a, I, I need to basically log 300 hours of direct client, uh, uh, a mix of indirect and direct client care. Mm -hmm. So I, I was very, very nervous about that because I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to hold a full-time job right. and intern somewhere? You know, how, how am I going to juggle that? But now that I'm doing it, it's, I've really adapted to that schedule and, um, it's honestly easier than I thought it was going to be. Like, I, okay. I think I was just getting in my own head. So that was one goal that I um, have already started was my internship and a goal that I haven't met yet, I think is going to be the completion of my internship, but also, um, graduation. So this is kind of the last step. <laughs> once it. you finish internship, yeah, once you finish internship, you take your um your like your comprehensive exam mm -hmm. and you graduate. Wow. So fingers crossed I can graduate in December. Um there's like some issues going on right now. I don't know if I need to push it to May. There was a class, there was a, a random class that I had scheduled for the summer that was no longer offered in the summer. So now I have that one straggler that I need to complete before I graduate. So either they're going to let me do it in the fall or I'll have to take it in the spring. It's, it's kind of a, a, a toss up whether I'll graduate in December. Or May. But at least you're, you know, you're graduating. I know I'm graduating. <laughs> that's all. That's all. That's all that matters. I am not in a rush. The time's going to pass regardless. So I'm just, I just want to get it done. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so Jasmine, this is the part of the podcast where we're going to talk about your, your past and your upbringing. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? And what was that like for you? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, so I was actually born in Delicias, Chihuahua. Uh, my family moved to the United States when I was two years old. And it, it's it's funny you mentioned earlier that I just I, that I had the presence of a leader because my my mom says that as I was growing up, I was very in your face. I'm the boss. <laughs> <As a kid. laughs> How does Jessica feel about that? I'm the boss. <laughs> Jessica was the complete opposite. Jessica was afraid to talk to people. <laughs> like terrified to talk to people and, and not me. I mean, my, my mom says that um she actually has me on video doing this, but 
I didn't know a lick of English, mm. but I pretended like I did. Oh, so and you faked it till you make just, it. I was just talking gibberish. Okay. <laughs> but to me, I was having a full-on conversation with my dad. <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah. Uh, so I got here when I was two years old, um, got into Head Start when I was three. Mm -hmm. And right away, I knew that we were different. Mm. And we, we got, we are in a community. Well, I grew up in a community that that was um, heavily Hispanic, mm -hmm. but we were different. We moved, we immigrated from Mexico. A lot of um, the families around me had lived there their whole lives and, mm -hmm. and we did it. So it being a kid and you, you don't really keen in on those things, but when you do it, they're kind of difficult to ignore. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I knew that my parents really had big plans for us. And I just, I didn't want to disappoint them. And to my parents, they were very hard on us academically I mean, I, I had to be the honor roll straight A student. I had mm, to be. Mm -hmm. anything under that was going to be disappointing mm, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to do that. So I, I've always, always just been very competitive academically and um, just trying to be the best and get the best grades that I could because my parents never even let me have a job. Mm. I would ask to have a job and my dad would say, no, school is your job mm -hmm. and you're going to go to school and you're going to go to college. And you're going to get a degree and you're going to be somebody. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't really until maybe after about, I turned 18, I really started to realize what he meant by that because now I'm in the real world and I'm, I'm living it. Mm -hmm. I'm living this, <laughs> I'm living in this world where, now I'm responsible for myself and what I had going for me was my degree. And I knew that that was going to be my, I made it, you know, and, and I knew that that's what was going to make my parents proud because it's just a very, very typical um, immigrant first generation college student story. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. one of the first to graduate and you're one of the first to succeed in a collegiate setting and it's it's really it's really humbling knowing where you came from so that's that's always been kind of like a a, a piece of me that makes me want to keep going and I keep I keep telling myself I'm going to be the first doctor in my family I'm going to do it I'm going to do awesome. it that's awesome yeah but um yeah that's 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 really it. Just growing up in a, in a very um, um, very traditional Mexican household, and knowing that I had to make it because my parents didn't sacrifice their entire lives for me to not make it. Mm. Because of that, is is school something that you naturally gravitated toward, or school something that you really liked, or did it feel that did you feel that first gen pressure of like I just have to do well? doesn't matter what the subject is. I just have to do well in school. You know, both, both, because I, I'm a great student. <laughs> I am a professional student. And 
school, my husband says this to me all the time, but school just comes very naturally to me. But I feel like I'm one of those people who's book smart, but my common sense ain't always there sometimes. True <laughs> 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 hallmark of a learner. We, we, we kind of even each other out in that way. <laughs> yeah, sometimes all like my prop, my my process of thinking makes mm-hmm. sense to me, but it might not make sense to him. And he's looking and he looks at me and he says, How are you the smart one? <laughs> <laughs> So I knew like school just came, it just, it just did. It came naturally mm-hmm. to me, even, even difficult things, honestly. Um, but there was a lot of pressure to do well. And I think maybe that's why it came so naturally to me. I'm really mm-hmm. not sure, but knowing that I was expected to do well and I had to perform. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I'm, I'm kind of good at this. So I'm just going to keep going as fast as, as far as I can go. So yeah, it was Absolutely. definitely both. Yeah. All right. Uh, were there any subjects that you really, really honed in on or subjects that you were really interested in? I loved psych and I loved sociology. Um, I was explaining this to my husband not too long ago that I, like there's two types of data. You got mm-hmm. qualitative data and you got quantitative data. Mm-hmm. I live for qualitative data. There's just so much room for interpretation and mm-hmm. so much room um, where you can you can just interpret the data in in a way that makes sense. But quantitative data, it's it's all numbers and formulas and just facts, hard facts, right? Mm-hmm. So I definitely did better in subjects where. Um, like psych and sociology, where there's a lot of interpretation versus math and biology, where it's very, it's it's hard facts. And uh-huh. I just did not do well in, when I say, I, when I say that school came naturally to me, I mean the subjects that I liked or that, I, or, you know, <laughs> the subjects that I liked. Right. Because math and science, oh man, my my brain just couldn't process them, which is interesting because Jessica is a math major or or was a math major. She got her bachelor's in mathematics mm-hmm. and, and now she's getting her master's in analytics. So it's wow. just, she's got the math brain. I do not. You've got uh, the creative interpretation I side. <laughs> I can interpret things to make sense <laughs> to me, but um yeah, there's just like so many psychologists and sociologists that have already interpreted years and years of human behavior and um, like what dreams mean, you know, you know right. what I mean? Just, right. just to be an example, but those are definitely the subjects that I um, gravitated to the most. Right on. How would your family describe you when you were young? Um, bossy, probably. <laughs> bossy. Um, probably intelligent my dad says that to me all the time like you were he would tell me it has been lista it has been lista yeah. he was just like you were you were you were smart you were smart and i think that that has oh, oh confident i would say is 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 another one um and i think that those traits have kind of evolved into my adulthood because i i am still 
I'm very humbled. Mm-hmm. Like I when when I when I talk about like my upbringing and you know things that I'm good at, I say it with a confident voice because I feel like when you're a woman mm-hmm. and you're a Latina, um, maybe there's there's just more hurdles for us to to get over. So I have to be confident. If I'm going to be taken seriously, I have to be confident. But at the same time, I'm just I'm I'm always I feel very humbled to have to to be able to be confident because that by itself is is very difficult. Absolutely. Um, it's very difficult in in the real world. So I always have to just remind myself to be humble first. Okay. So I'm going to put you kind of on the spot again. Outside okay. of school, did you have a lot of interests growing up? Dang, I feel really lame. <laughs> no, no, no. I Come feel on. So lame. No, that you've like, had what are my hobbies? What did I like? I'm like, <laughs> what did I like? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. I love TV. T- hey, hey, a lot of folks have listed TV as as one of their favorite things to do. It is. I think it's just one of those things where when I have a free second. And I just want to decompress my mind and just aimlessly watch something on TV because my job is very taxing. My my schooling is very taxing. So when I just want to decompress, honestly, like I just put on a good comfort show and just lay down and do absolutely nothing. Okay. Putting you on the spot. What is the comfort show that you like? What's your go-to? I've really been, I'm re-watching Grey's Anatomy again. (laughs) But I've rewatched all of the seasons. Like I'm not kidding you, like six times. But every time, it's like I'm watching it. Oh, it's like I'm watching it for the first time all over again. That and true crime documentaries. Oh, okay, okay. True crime podcasts, love them. Love right them. on. Yeah. Well, I mean, Grey's Anatomy. I, I will say it's. I'm surprised it has lasted this long it's it's one of the longest running tv shows out there right it's yes. like season 25 I, and it's still I'm not, not done. gonna lie though like it should have ended like six seasons ago okay <laughs> yeah it should, think... it should have ended like a, a while but i stopped watching it i haven't watched the newest seasons because my comfort is like the first 15 the seasons. first 15 seasons okay the that first makes sense. 15 seasons after that, I just, I, I lose interest. <laughs> I lose interest. All right on. Um, what do you remember about middle school and what was that experience like for you? I remember middle school kind of in a negative light, to be honest. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, and I mean, it just kind of goes back to being confident mm-hmm. and having a voice because mm-hmm. I came from a very small school and my class was mostly boys. Mm. So it was hard for a girl to get her voice heard. Mm-hmm. So those years, I, I remember specifically one year, every class has their president, right? And so it was between me and one of the boys. And of course, all of the boys voted for the boy. Mm-hmm. And that was just, that hurt me so bad. I'm like I would be a, I was I was like 12. <laughs> I was a 12 year old sixth grader. 
then I'm like, I would be a great president. What do 12 yeah. year old sixth grade presidents do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but I knew I'd be, I knew I'd make a good one. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was just little things like that, where your voice just gets cut out because you're a girl and no one wants to listen to a girl, you know? So I, I think that's where my character development really started. And wow. I knew my voice had to be heard at some point. <laughs> I like how you're doing this kind of introspective reflection uh, and sharing like how, where, where the origin started with you. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> I read a lot of, <laughs> I read a lot of psych books. So yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just like, huh, if I was a villain, this would be my origin story. <laughs> <laughs> this would be my origin story. <laughs> I've had to, uh, and I'll be honest with you, like I've had to learn a lot about myself these last three, four years and having to take apart a lot of the things that I do. Like, why do I do that? Oh, that's why I do that. So totally, totally understandable and totally relate. Um, my next question to you is, did you develop any interest while in middle school in extracurricular activities like band, choir, sports, clubs? Uh, obviously you ran for president. And even though all the boys voted for the male president, unfortunately. Uh, did you develop any other interests outside of that? Yeah, I actually started playing volleyball and I loved, loved volleyball. I think that that was probably my favorite sport. And I played that all throughout high school. And um, I also, I did some intramurals in college too. And uh, granted for coming from a small school, I was, I was, I wasn't bad. But I probably wouldn't make it on a college team <laughs> if I tried. <laughs> but also, I'm like five feet tall. And um, I would probably only be able to play back row in a volleyball match. But in that small school, I wasn't bad. I made all district a couple of times. Um, but granted, that just goes back like it was all district in a district of other small schools. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I never I never played against like big high schools or anything. I really don't know how I would have performed. Maybe I would have just blended into the average, you know, team players. I probably wouldn't be a, a bench warmer, but I probably wouldn't be a starter either. But it was fun. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed volleyball. Um I really enjoyed softball too. I played like two, three years in high school it was one of the sports that our school actually acquired later into my college uh, into my high school career because wow. we didn't have those before we didn't have softball or baseball and they started it so we were the very first ever softball team wow. in that school I don't know if they still have it probably not but um but yeah so so that was fun I wasn't very good but I had a lot of fun doing it <laughs> <laughs> that's what matters if you had fun right yeah. Is this around the time in middle school that you found out about Trio Talent Search or when did you find out about uh, Trio Talent Search? It is actually my eighth grade year. Um, well, no. So my my seventh grade year, mm -hmm. sixth grade year, I think I was in the sixth grade. Um, we joined um, a trio program called Gear Up. Oh, right. The Gear Up programs. Yeah. So I was in, I was actually in gear up first. Okay. And it was kind of cool because that program followed my class and the class ahead of me all throughout middle school. So it was just our two classes. Right. So I was in the sixth grade. So it followed me all the way to my eighth grade year. And um, that's where I met uh, quite a few people. And um, 
that was really fun. The gear up program was really fun. It it's they did a summer program kind of similar to what Upward Bound does, mm-hmm. um, just not as academically focused. I would say um, it was more so just like fun classes, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I that was my first experience with Trio, and then Jessica started going to Upward Bound, and I didn't really know a lot about it. I just knew that every other Saturday I helped, I rode with my mom to drop her off at the bus. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that yeah. was really all I knew about it until I got to about eighth grade. And then that's when it was, okay, well, now it's going to be your turn. Because by that point, Jessica had graduated and I knew a little bit more about it after that. And it was just always kind of expected. It wasn't, um, oh, I, I, I wonder if I'm going to do upward bound. No, it was a I'm going to do do it. it. Okay. I just don't know when. And at the time they only allowed freshmen to, um, to like start doing the summer courses and the Saturday classes. But I think because they they liked Jessica so much, the, um, the director and the, I'm assuming was the assistant director. I honestly don't remember her title. Maybe she was the coordinator, but they interviewed me with my mom to see if we could get me in the summer before I started my freshman year. So it was like post eighth grade pre-freshman summer. Mm -hmm. And they let me, they let me do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I I had to like, um, there was an interview, there was, I don't remember what else there was involved, but I guess maybe to see if, I don't know if maybe I was at the level of a freshman before. I I really don't. I really don't know. But I do remember that happening. And so then I started going to Upward Bound after that. And that was so cool. I had never experienced anything like that ever, ever. That first summer was really difficult because you're trying to adapt and getting to know all of these strangers around you because now you're going to these courses with people from other schools. And that was a little difficult for me because I didn't know anybody at first. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you start getting to know people and making friends and then the then the hard part starts. Then you actually have to pass the class. Right, right, right. <laughs> so then it's fair to say it was gear up, then upward bound? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, as you entered into high school, uh, what do you remember most about, uh, you know, that first year in high school for you? I honestly don't remember a whole lot of my freshman year. It, it all just kind of, it all just kind of blurs together. But I, I do remember specifically my freshman year of high school. Um, I took, I took a guitar class. Ooh, so that's I fancy. learned, yeah. So I learned how to read music. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned how to play scales and things like that. Um, so that was pretty fun. Uh, I I played some guitar in and out. I can still probably do it. If I watch someone play, I could probably follow them. <laughs> but that's about as far as my guitar skills go. <laughs> um, so it sounds like some extracurriculars that you picked up, did any of the extracurriculars from middle school carry over? Definitely volleyball. Volleyball stuck with me all throughout. And that was one of the things where I knew that 
even if even if we were bad at it, I was still gonna have fun because I just had such a great time playing volleyball. It was awesome. Talk to us about your experience in high school. What did you like most about it? And what are things that were not your part of your priority? I think just what I liked most about it, I think probably finding myself. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Like when you know, those are, those are your formative years, right? Like those are the years where you kind of find what your likes are and what your dislikes are. So there was a lot of ups and downs in high school for me. And that's not a unique experience. Um, Everyone goes through their ups and downs in high school. You got, you know, your heart, your first heartbreak and, you know, think, think, things of that nature. So when I think back to high school, I think about all of the ups and downs that I went through emotionally and, I guess, um, how I overcame them and where I am now (laughs) compared, compared to how I was feeling then, but definitely finding myself, I think was probably the, the best thing that came out of that. I really found my music interests and just, just my stuff, my style, I guess I was, I was that emo kid. (laughs) (laughs) I I found all this emo music and I really got into rock and roll and that ha- that hasn't changed. If anything, it's just it's just evolved from it's, there. I was gonna but say intensified and evolved. Started. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here I am. I'm this little emo millennial. I'm still emo on the inside. Still emo on the inside. Absolutely. But now I have to dress like a professional, but on the inside. You're still very much emo. I'm still very much. The dark heart and everything. Will always be. <laughs> always. <laughs> always. So, um, Jasmine, for many high school students, college is, becomes part of that conversation, usually middle of the high school, early on in high school. Um, they count, They really contemplate whether or not they want to attend uh, college, or they typically have an extensive list of colleges. Did you and your family think about college in, in that manner? Um. With Jessica, she was kind of the guinea pig because Mm. like I was saying earlier, college wasn't a choice. It was Mm -hmm. an expectation for us. So it wasn't a matter of whether I was going to do it or not. It was when I was going to do it. And so with Jessica, um, I don't remember what colleges that she applied to, but she was, um, but she ended up going to uh, ENMU in, in Portales. And so now that she had been established there, it kind of became, um, an unspoken thing where I was going to go there too. I see. Okay. You know what I mean? So she had kind of established that already and was the guinea pig for all of that FAFSA, all of that stuff. But for me, I really didn't know. I knew where I was going to go because that's probably where I was going to end up anyway. (laughs) But I did apply to other places. I applied at um, NMSU, UNM. I can't remember if I applied to Texas Tech or not. I think I did. No, I don't think I did. I think I thought about applying there, but I knew realistically I wasn't going to go to a Texas school. So why was I going to waste my time? I yeah, see. I thought thought about doing it, but I didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, so I got into all three. I actually got I got into UNM, NMSU, and ENMU, mm-hmm. but I knew where I was going to go. So <laughs> also, uh, 
I was on the presidential scholarship. So Oh wow, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was on a full ride. My my bachelor's degree was a full ride. So um at the time, you know, they had I think the scholarship has changed a little bit since then, but um at the, at the time it was the lottery scholarship. So whatever wasn't paid from the lottery was was paid out from the presidential scholarship. So uh, I was set. I was pretty much set. So I knew where I was going to go. Absolutely. So so in what ways did Trio Upward Bound help you in this process for you? Um, I think definitely with work study, I didn't know that that existed. I didn't know that you could go to school and work at the college at the same time. So that was huge. I did my first work study at ENMUR um, and I worked in the media center there for a whole summer. And mm -hmm. from there, when I started going to ENMU, I started working at the dorms. I worked at a couple of different dorms there for a while. And that was that was a big piece of experience for me that I had never had before. Like when I tell you my parents never let me have a job, it was so bad that my first day at the media center, I didn't know that jobs had shifts. It's like you, oh. you work from 10 to two, that's your shift. Mm -hmm. So I get there and I do everything that I'm asked to do. And it was like noon or something like that. And I'm thinking, so, so do I go home now? <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, no, I asked him, I asked my <laughs> boss, so can I go home? <laughs> and he's like, no, <laughs> you, you have two hours left of shift. That's how yeah. inexperienced I was. And I just had no, no common sense for <laughs> The workplace. <laughs> my brain was just student brain and student brain only. Right. Because when right. you finish the homework, that's it, right? Yeah. Not with work, apparently. That's not how careers work. For a lot of first generation <laughs> students and first generation professionals, that can be an often difficult thing to navigate about not only school, but when you work inside of school and then when you graduate working post for somebody else as a professional, like what are am I allowed? You know, you do I work through my lunch hour or do I go to lunch? That, that's kind of like a weird thing to have to ask and to follow up on. Absolutely. 100%. So now with that knowledge, right, that you have to finish your full shift. Then when I started at Eastern in Portales, I finished full shifts. I was like, oh, I have to be here from six to nine. I'm going to be here from six to nine. Right. Right, right. So that was a big piece of experience that I got from Upward Bound for sure. It was just that first taste of work study. Yeah. And a job, <laughs> a job. <laughs> That's awesome. Talk to us about the moment you graduated from high school. What was that moment like for you and for your family? Well, it was awesome. My My class was really small. I think we graduated with nine. I think there were nine of us. Um, so that was cool. I graduated valedictorian, but I'm not really sure if that means a lot when there's nine people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was cool. I got to make a speech. And That's cool. Yeah, but still high honors. Yeah, right. I was like, I, I would say so. I know, I guess. So this works out. And uh, I got to 
I got to make a speech at graduation and I got to thank my parents. And I, I said my speech in English and then later in Spanish, because mm-hmm. what's the point of thanking your parents if your mom can't understand what you're saying? Right, 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 right. You know, so I, I did it. I did it in both languages. And that that was really. That was really. Honoring to do. Very good. For them. That's awesome. Now, I know we, we already went over this, but you decided to ultimately East, to attend Eastern New Mexico University. Was there a particular draw to the university or was it just because family expected you to go? Yeah, the the latter. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my, family, my family expected me to go, I think. And it wasn't ever said. Like my parents never told me, you don't have a choice. This is where you're going to go. And that's that. It was just kind of unspoken because Jessica was already there. I had a scholarship to go there. So it was just kind of, you know, it just kind of fell into place that way. Right on. Talk to us about the moment you set foot on campus at Eastern. What did that feel like for you? It felt so surreal. I had the biggest culture shock of my life. Really? I'm going from a classroom of nine people to a classroom of 30. Oh, and yeah. yeah. in big campuses, 30 isn't that big. But to me who had only been with nine people my entire life, that was huge. Mm-hmm. It was huge. And it, it was definitely, it was definitely a culture shock. And it was definitely humbling too, because I'm coming from a small school where I'm valedictorian. I'm a 4.0 student. I think that I'm smart. And then I go to college and I meet smart people. And when I say smart, I'm like, holy crap. I I definitely felt super humbled. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. I'm talking to people where I'm like, you're not just smart, like you're you're intelligent. You are just wow. I thought I thought thinkers. I was yeah. smart. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. And I thought I was smart. I got humbled real quick, real quick. And not not in a bad way. I wouldn't say that it wasn't a bad way because you know what they say, like if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're the you're in the wrong room. Yeah. That was probably a, my first taste of that in real life. And it was awesome. And it was awesome because then that's when I realized like there's a whole world of people out there who know way more than me and I can learn from them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that that was the thing for me going going to school and meeting all of these people. I'm like, I, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. Mm. Here I am in a place where I can start learning. Really. Absolutely. Right. For you, how did you, and this is kind of an off script question. How did you counter or battle or do away with, if at all, the imposter syndrome that you might've felt as a first generation student attending college? To be honest with you, I didn't really feel imposter syndrome. Okay. In in school, the first time I felt imposter syndrome was uh, actually when I started working at my current job. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Was, so we'll get to I, that here in just a moment. Then. Okay. Um, 
did you know what program or degree you really wanted to dive into when you first came into to ENMU? I knew I wanted to do um, some kind of, um, I, I knew I wanted to either do sociology or psych. Sociology I, or psych. I took, yes, I took an intro to psych and an intro to sociology my senior year of high school. We got to do like, like dual credit <clears throat> through the campus at ENMUR. And I loved it. I loved it so much. So my first year, I hadn't really, I didn't declare until I was a sophomore, but I had a really big interest in psych and sociology. Um, so I thought that I was going to head that way, but I didn't declare psych or mm. sociology. Mm -hmm. Mm. I declared biology pre-med. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought, you know who makes a lot of money? Doctors. Well, yeah. I'm going to be a doctor. Okay. And that's when I found out. Remember how I was telling you earlier that science and math and anything quantitative, just I just don't do well in. I took a biology course my first semester and a chemistry course. And uh -huh. I knew immediately, this ain't for me. This mm, ain't for me. Gotcha. This is not. <laughs> this is not going to work. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, I don't know what I was chasing money. That's what I was doing. I was like, mm -hmm. doctors mm -hmm. make a lot of money. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be, I'm going to declare pre-med and that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And my brain just goes, no, <laughs> oh <laughs> baby, no. No. <laughs> no. So then I switched my major to um, psychology and I just, I just felt so much better. So All right. And that's what it's supposed to feel, right? Like when you declare into a major, it's supposed to feel like home. It's supposed to feel like exactly. a good connection with it. Exactly. Absolutely. You shouldn't you shouldn't hate your major. Absolutely. I, I stress that with my students when I talk to them sometimes. It's like yeah. you have to feel a connection with the major. You have to feel yes. like you're at home. Right. One hundred percent. Um, so made you majored in psychology. Was there a particular reason why you chose psychology as your major? I just had such a big interest on um, uh, mental illnesses. Mm. The the one that struck me the most was schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder. I actually did a, um, I did a research project on it mm. where I just like read a bunch of different studies and I ended up kind of crossing over from schizoaffective disorder into, um, into a, uh, at the time it was called multiple personality disorder. And I started reading some of that and it just something about mental disorders just fascinated me. I, it, there was just something about it that really got my attention, but not just that, but I also, I understood the language and I understood the terminology, even though like, granted there was still a lot that I had to learn, but for the most part, I, I got what they were about and mm -hmm. in at least enough for me to be able to research it on my own time. So that was definitely um, what I leaned into the most. Right on. Um, my next question to you is about uh, the overall career path that you were thinking about at this point. Did it, did it seem to you like you were in a following a particular career path for yourself 
or do you feel like it was still kind of in, in evolution phase? Yeah. What was that like for you? Honestly, once I had my mind made up that I was going to do psych, I just went full force. I went full force to do it. And I, I honestly didn't even meet my advisor. I set up my own, um, degree plan mm-hmm. and I, I, I pretty much advised myself, honestly. Wow. I just, yeah, I, like, I just, I just picked what, um, what I needed for the degree plan, what was required. And then for my, um, uh, for my extracurriculars, I just, I really just picked other courses. I think um, sociology was one for, for psych that was required, but then there was another one. Uh, oh my gosh, I cannot remember what the name was. Um, I think it was cognition. Mm-hmm. Cognition was one of those where you could choose to do. And that's the one where I learned the most, I think. I right loved the cognition course. Um, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think cognition was a required class. Hmm. I don't think it was. I don't think it was an extracurricular, but it was. It was the one that I learned from the most. Um, but after that, after I graduated, uh, I pretty much went straight into a development type job working with children, and. Then I got introduced to um, other disciplines like speech therapy and um, physical wow, wow. therapy, things like yeah. that, things that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Honestly. And that's kind of where my career path took a little bit of a detour because um, I really started getting interested in uh, speech, lang- speech and language pathology. And I thought, you know, maybe I should do this instead mm-hmm. because I knew at some point I was going to go back for a master's degree. And at that point I thought I could probably get my master's in um, communicative disorders to be a speech therapist. Mm-hmm. So I started it. I started, but because I had graduated in psych, there was quite a few undergrad courses that I needed to take in order to get into a master's program mm-hmm. for communicative disorders. And it took a whole year to do it, but I did them. I, and and it was hard because like I'm telling you, my brain doesn't like math and it doesn't like biology, mm-hmm. but right. communicative disorders is a lot of biology and anatomy of the throat and the mouth and all of that. So as difficult as it was, I pushed myself to do it and, and I did it. Good, good, good. Yeah. And then it came time to go back for my master's. So now I'm in a place where I have the I have all of the educational requirements to apply for a master's degree in counseling or a master's degree in communicative disorders. <laughs> so <laughs> after I decided that speech therapy is what I was going to do, then I was back into this point like, well, do I want to do that? Yeah. Or am I just doing that because that's what career I'm in right now? Because it's it's speech therapy adjacent, right? I work very close with speech therapists and working with children, I found myself mostly working with kids who had speech problems mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. a lot of them were Spanish speaking. Mm. So I'm like, am I doing this because that's what job I'm doing now? Or am I doing this because it's what I want to do? And it was at that point where I'm like, okay, I think I need to change my career mm-hmm. to fit what I, what I really want to do. And so I left working with children and I started working at um, mental health resources with um, 
uh, I was a care coordinator with CareLink New Mexico. And that was my first real taste of working face-to-face with people with mental illness. Mm. And Mm. I was like, yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. So I decided to go forth with my master's in counseling and here I am. Wonderful. Uh, So I'm going to rewind this a little bit. Um, While in college and as you were progressing through your program, what did you learn about yourself? I learned, and this might not even be a good thing, but I learned that I perform very well under pressure. Mm. And sometimes it was... Sometimes it was self-inflicted, if I'm being honest with you, because I would procrastinate <laughs> till the very last minute to do something, but I would knock it out because I my brain had no other option but to be laser focused <laughs> on doing what I needed to do to finish. And it's unfortunately, it's one of those skills that I still have to this day. And most of the time it is still self-inflicted. <laughs> I don't know how to get out of that. It's, it's a work in progress. I am at this point. <laughs> Can you talk to us about the moment you graduated from college? What was that moment like for you and for your family? I remember walking because like you, you kind of go in, in the arena, you kind of go in like a you, I guess I could say like you enter from one point and then you walk down, but then you kind of do a U-turn Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking down and I just I've never seen so many people in one place. And I'm looking and I'm like, I'm seeing people I know and they're they're waving at me. And I know they're probably there to see quite a few people. But for me in that second, I'm like, they're looking at me and they're acknowledging me. You know, and I had some friends that went uh, that came in from out of town to see me and um I graduating college was huge for me and, and for my family. I know it was. Jessica had already graduated. Um, so that one I think was since she was the first, it was probably a little bit more meaningful. But for me being the second child and just like just tenacious, just tenacious bossy <laughs> jasmine, me knowing that. I I did it and I did it well. It meant a lot for me. I'm sure for my family too, but it was an accomplishment that made me feel good. Right on. So around this time you graduated, you have decided I need to pursue a master's to continue further education. I think a lot of students would say you chose more schooling to keep going. Um, Talk to us about your motivation and your determination to do that. Um. I honestly, if it wasn't for my husband, Marcos, he really pushed me to do it because it was one of those things where I know I'm going to, I just don't feel like it's the right time. It's not the right time. It's not the right time. That, and I mean, um, I struggle with financial insecurity and and like financial anxiety, I think, but I think that comes from growing up in in an immigrant household where funds are tight and you know, you're, you're seeing my dad work such long hours to be able to provide for us. 
it kind of instilled a little bit of financial insecurity in me. I'm a huge saver and any dollar I get, I'm like, I'm going to, I need to save this. I need to save this. Mm -hmm. But finally getting into a master's program, I I was a little nervous because I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. And if I was going to pay for it, was it going to be through a student loan or how are we going to make this work? Right. And it, it was a very last minute decision, if I'm being honest with you, because I started my master's program in 2020 <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. And I right. don't know who told me that that was a good, <laughs> I don't know who told me that that was a good idea, but <laughs> here I am. And quickly doesn't plan for what we plan. It just does no, its thing. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I remember I it was such a last minute thing. And I, I really got encouraged by uh by Marcos. And he's like, if you don't do it, those three years are gonna pass anyway. So would you rather have a degree in three years or would you rather still think be thinking about going back to school? Oh, that's a good frame. That's a good frame. Yeah. And that really lit a lot, lit a fire under me. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna do it. This was like two weeks out of the application deadline. Wow. So he, wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm I'm so good at procrastinating. So good at it. <laughs> so I'm like talking, I'm like getting my connections up and I'm like, hey, would you be willing to write um uh, a letter of recommendation for me? I needed three of them. So I was like, I, I would love if you could write a letter of recommendation for me. In the meantime, I'm like getting all my transcripts together and doing my um my cover letter to to be able to apply and I finally got it all in and that was it I just kind of left it up to, to the fate, world I the guess. universe yeah yeah I left it to the universe to see what was gonna happen and maybe two or three weeks later I get my acceptance email congratulations wow thanks. it it was huge because getting into a master's program isn't like getting into an undergrad program. It's oh, not, no, no, it's competitive. It's not the same. These are programs that are competitive. These are competitive programs. And I really didn't think I was going to get in because I applied so late. But I got in and I was like, oh, my God, this is happening. This is this is where I'm supposed to be. So Marcos definitely pushed me to do it. And he really encouraged me. He's my, he's, he's for real my number one fan, honestly. That's awesome. That's always awesome. pushing for me to, to do better and better myself. So now you currently work for Ambercare. Can you tell us, can you tell the audience what that is and what does it do? Yes. So uh, Ambercare is a home care agency. Um, we service a lot of people who are elderly um, or disabled or have some kind of, some kind of um, qualified uh, disability of sorts to need home care services. So um, I actually run four branches. I run Clovis, Las Vegas, Whoa. Um, Carlsbad and Hobbs. That was just, a, that was recently. I, I started with Clovis only and I recently got promoted to the other three branches to run uh, or to run the, the other three branches. So that's been um, Quite a bit of a change. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm always doing something. I don't have time for hobbies because school and work are my hobbies right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Am Amber Care is nationwide. There are other states that also um, provide the same services. And we have some branches also that provide 
hospice and home health. Unfortunately, in Clovis, we only have um, home care. So mm. if someone is, uh, our, our goal is to keep people in the home and to keep them out of nursing homes okay. and keep them out of hospitals. So our caregivers are trained to help with um, activities of daily living, cooking, cleaning, um, running errands, reminders to take their medications and, and things of that sort. Awesome. Can you tell, can you share with folks about how they can access either your, the website for Amber Care or can they find it on social media? Uh, yeah, you can actually go to um, ambercare.com. We are always hiring caregivers also. Um, we provide all of the training uh, needed for it, CPR and first aid as well. Uh, it is all paid for as, um, also. But um, yeah, if you go to embercare.com, it'll tell you a little bit more about the services that we provide and um, also the locations where uh, where we have offices in the state of New Mexico. What is your goal and vision for Ambercare? Now that you've been promoted to these new positions, what do you hope to accomplish? I hope to bring consistency with all four branches. And at the end of the day, if we meet our goals, as long as you meet your goals, the way that you get there and what your journey looks like doesn't really matter because you made it, you did it. And um, my style of leadership is probably different than the style of leadership that was there before. So my goal for my four branches in particular is just to have consistency of what I expect in my staff members and what I expect in the in the results that um, uh, that we show. Jasmine, what do you like most about your role in Amber Care? <laughs> Honestly, I love the people that I work with. Uh, kind of getting back to the imposter syndrome, I had never been in a position where people were answering to me. Mm -hmm. And so starting this job where I'm the boss, I, I hate saying that. I hate <laughs> saying that to people. Like I'm I think boss. for millennials, it's like an irk word for us. It's, it's like, weird. Eh, it's weird. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Not one bit. Yeah. And I'm also... Uh, considering I'm I'm pretty young I think I am the I am the second youngest person in my office and there's seven of us wow so running the place it, it was really difficult for me because I'm like how am I going to get anyone to listen to me mm -hmm. and I I you know I I think back and I'm like no I'm gonna make them listen to me not in that not in that way like I'm, I'm not one of those people who rule with an iron <laughs> you're gonna listen to me Right. No, I I do it in a way where I have to gain their trust, right? So I definitely wasn't in a rush to for them to respect me right, right. away. I I definitely had to earn their trust and earn their respect and show them that even though I was young, I had knowledge behind me. I just felt like an imposter leading people because I had never had to do that before. Mm -hmm. So learning the role compared to where I was then to where I am now. I am just so much more confident in my ability. I mean, enough for me to, to absorb three other branches. You know, I was scared to take on one. Now I have four. Here you four. are. 
There you are. <laughs> and here yes. I am. Now I have four. And um, I just I just really enjoy the people that I work with. And my boss is uh, she she's one of my biggest fans too, honestly. Like she is just always pushing me to be the best that I can be and um really follow my goals. Like I was telling you earlier, I started my internship this year and that takes time away from my job. Yeah. Every Thursday yeah. I'm on site. And mm-hmm. I kind of told her that at the very beginning, I said, this is probably where life is going to lead me at some point. So once I get to internship and I have to step back a little bit, I'll let you know. So instead of stepping back, I did the complete opposite and I just took on three more branches. (laughs) (laughs) That was so easy. (laughs) But, but once I got to that point where I'm like, okay, internship is starting. This is what you should expect. Um, she was just, she is just always so positive. Her name is Rosa. Uh, she's in, she's from Roswell. And having that in the workplace, having someone above you in the workplace, just be cheering you on that hard and to give you that space to be able to do all of your personal stuff along with, you know, your professional stuff right. is, is really unheard of. It's very unheard of. She just, she just gives me so much room to be able to expand my horizons you know as long as I'm as long as I'm getting my work done and doing it well then I can take a little time to focus on my internship and my school and that's that's huge that's huge such a privilege such a privilege Jasmine thinking ahead what do you see yourself doing five to ten years from now I'm going to be getting my PhD I still see it I still see it. I'm going to do it either PhD or PsyD. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which. It kind of depends where we're at. Like maybe we're not living in Clovis anymore. I don't know. <laughs> Depending <laughs> on where we live. But I'm going to do it. Wonderful. I'm going to do it. Yeah, for sure. Are there any mentors, teachers, or advisors you would like to recognize on this podcast? Ooh. Um, number one is his name's Don Argenbright. He was my art teacher in high school and he is the coolest dude, man. He's so dang cool. And I remember my senior year, I, um, one of my class, one of well, my courses, I guess, was, um, a teacher's, a teacher's aide mm-hmm. and I got to be his teacher's aide. Oh, so cool. yeah, yeah. We, so I would, I would, uh, you know, like clean the art room or get supplies ready when he would have his classes with the elementary students. And he, he was just such a cool guy. We, we had a similar taste in music too. So, mm-hmm. and he's just, he just had like this dry, sarcastic sense of humor that I really enjoyed. <laughs> he was one of those teachers that kind of helped me believe that I could still be a professional and be myself. And that's something that I really, really uh, lean on at work too, because yes, we are a professional setting, but I like to have fun and I like to laugh and I like to make jokes. And he kind of, he was kind of one of the first people that showed me that you could do both yeah, and still be, and still be successful. So Donna Argenbright, number one guy. Um, 
Rosie Rubio is another one. She uh, is actually the one who gave me my first postgraduate job uh, with with Tabosa in Roswell. She has she's just always believed in me. And coming from a coming from a small town, she's she is the aunt of Jessica's husband. Mm -hmm. so, you know, growing up, everyone kind of knows everybody. Right. And I've just always really looked up to her because she is another um, uh, woman who is a Latina and made it. So I've all I've, 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 I've always um, really looked up to her in that sense. I'm like, Rosie's awesome. And I want to be like her. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a Rosie one day. And he, here I am leading four offices. There you go. <laughs> like, like, like a Rosie Rubio. There so you go. Her um, and uh, I also had a clinical um, supervisor when I was a care coordinator. Her name was Shasta Ryle. And Shasta was another one of those people who just really believed in me and she also had the same uh, same uh, taste in music as as I did, so we got to kind of um, bond over that too. But uh, she always made me feel like I had bigger things to get. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm pursuing the same license that she has, I think that that's maybe where I, where I was supposed to be. Like she she kind of she was she was one of those people who. I guess I got um, not encouragement, but I'm trying to think of the right word I'm looking for. Um, uh, inspiration. She inspired. She inspired me to go after that. This the same license, basically. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, but yeah, that's great. Anybody else? Um, trying to think. I already mentioned uh, Rosa. She's more of a. Uh, a professional inspiration because she is just she's a machine she is a machine she just does not stop really yes wow. and that's she's, dedication she's, oh when when i say she's dedicated i've told her i'm like rosa i can't do what you do <laughs> i can't do what you do man You're just, you just go and go and go and you do not stop um but yeah um Right at the top of my head, those are probably the ones who had, uh, those are probably the um, professional people who had the biggest impacts on me. For right sure. on. What is something you would like to share with TRIO professionals? Say you had TRIO professionals listening to you in a virtual setting, and you were able to speak to hundreds upon thousands of uh, TRIO professionals. What is one thing you would like to say to them? When you say TRIO professionals, do you mean like, like people students? from Talent Search, uh, the the folks that run Talent Search. Oh, the Bound. folks that run it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Student Support Services, McNair. Yeah, all of those. You have, or, or maybe you do have an idea, but the impact that you guys make on your students' lives is is remarkable. Is remarkable, and maybe in the moment you might not think it. Maybe it's one of those days where you're just struggling to get through you're just struggling to get through the end of the day or dealing with difficult students but 
you're regardless, you, you're you're making an impact and you're helping them gain the skills that they need to be successful in school. Because without that little bit of experience and I guess just the like the just firsthand knowledge of what college is going to be like, you would be very surprised how unprepared a lot of students are for what college is really like mm-hmm. in real life. So Absolutely. to have that experience is is a privilege. Awesome. What advice do you have for TRIO students at the pre-college or college level? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going, man. Keep going. Don't, don't stop. Don't stop. And don't let other people, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the opposite of encourage. Discourage? Discourage. Well, duh, right? <laughs> Discourage. <laughs> we'll edit that. Just post-production. Thinking too hard. <laughs> <laughs> you are hardcore thinking. I can see it. Thinking way too hard. Don't let people discourage you from what you want to do. Because maybe they don't think it's something that they would want to do, but you're not them and they're not you. So do what you want. Absolutely. Uh, What is one word you would use to describe yourself now? So we went from other people describing you, seeing how you perform and function. But now, did you arrive at a word you would say, this best describes me? I'm going to say tenacious. Tenacious. I just, I've learned that I have the tenacity. The tenacity to get things done. Even if I leave them to the last minute, I'm going to get it done. (laughs) (laughs) So that'll be the title of the podcast. Oh, nice. Okay, great. Tenacious. I like that. Tenacious. What is something that you're currently watching, reading, or listening to? I am reading the um, the Encyclopedia of Counseling. Ooh. Big purple book. Um, it's actually a, um, a tutorial for the National Counseling Examination. Whoa. You have to pass that exam in order to get your license to practice. Wow. And so um, it's one of those things where I have to do it. It's, it's part of my study guide. But Encyclopedia of Counseling, that's that's my book right now. I've been pulled out this big book, very thick. It looks like purple. It's almost two inches thick. Almost two inches thick. So, (laughs) all right. Um, And I listen to, um, I listen to Morbid True Crime Podcast. Right on. Awesome. Uh, It is a woman-led true crime podcast, and they're... They're very smart. They're very funny and sarcastic. And um, they they tell the stories of um, victims in a very, um, just very heartfelt. And yeah. they do a lot of justice to some of the victims that they talk about. But yeah, reading psychology stuff and listening to true, true crime stuff. So Jasmine, it has been a true pleasure to speak with you today about your trio journey, your educational journey, uh, we should definitely have on have you on the podcast again. Oh, thanks. I would I would love to do it again, honestly. 
so we do have a tradition on the Let's Talk Trio podcast where we have the guests sign off. Care to do the honors? Sure. Hi, this is Jasmine Trujillo, and I am the agency director for Amber Care in Clovis, Carlsbad, Hobbs, and Las Vegas, New Mexico. I am a Gear Up and Trio Upward Bound alum from ENMU Roswell and ENMU Portales. Trio works. Be tenacious, be you. Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a TRIO program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk TRIO. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk TRIO. We want to get your story to the public. That was our guest, Jasmine Trujillo from the ENMU Roswell Trio Upward Bound Program. Jasmine, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your trio story. Remember, if you would like to be on the Let's Talk Trio podcast or know a staff, advocate, participant, or alumni, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Vialpando, Dr. Jamie Motley, Dr. Ryan Barone, Angelica Valdez, Rosario Riley, TrioJobList.com, Jaded Electronics, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can sponsor the Let's Talk Trio podcast in one of three ways. Become a monthly patron on Patreon. Our base patron level starts at a dollar a month. Become a corporate sponsor via Patreon by placing an ad on the podcast. For $100 a month, we will run your ad for every episode we publish in the sponsored month. Or you can become a supporter with a one-time donation to the podcast PayPal account. The handle is at Let's Talk Trio. One more time, it's at Let's Talk Trio. I'd like to take a moment to thank our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast, Roderick Chambers, Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Susan Cramp. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, audio engineer, music producer and composer, post-production editor. Amelia Castañeda, script supervisor, marketing manager, social media manager and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. This episode was recorded Sunday, June 25th, 2023. Remember to always use your right to vote. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.